We have much to rejoice over, don't we? We have much to praise Him for. Every reason to praise God because of what He's doing in our lives to conform us to the image of His Son, knowing that He is in charge. Every reason to praise. No reason to complain. No reason to gripe. No reason to despair. Because our holy and righteous God is on His throne. The tomb is empty as we talk about often. So we can safely trust in Him regardless of the circumstances. And folks, that, that's a hard lesson, isn't it? To learn that we are to praise God in everything and for everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us that we are to give thanks in all things. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. doesn't really say unless or if or but. It's in everything give thanks. I'll go one step further. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 tells us that we are to give thanks for all things. For all things. Now that's kind of difficult sometimes. That verse is not saying that all things are good. But we are to give thanks. We are to praise God in all things and for all things regardless of the circumstances. You know, I, I do a lot of counseling. And when a person's needing counseling, they're coming to you because there are difficult things going on in their lives. There's trouble, there's distress, there's all sorts of things that are difficult in that person's life. And one of the first things that we go through that I share with them is during those difficult times, praise God. I said, have you thanked God for what you're going through? And that's when you get some really weird looks like, huh? What? But when you're in a difficult time, when there are situations going on, things that you don't understand, things that are powerful, God's Word's very clear. We are to give thanks in all things. We are to give thanks for all things. Because, see, when we do that, what we're doing is we're really acknowledging that we believe God's Word. Romans 8.28 is there in the book. For we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. It doesn't say all things are good, but all things work together for good. We can safely trust God in all things and praise and praise Him through all of that. Now before you say, wow, pastor, you're so holy. You're, you are so righteous. I wish that I could be more like you. Uh, you need to know something. My first instinct is usually not to give thanks. I usually want to punch or fight or cry or something else that's not scriptural. But God is so faithful 
that he has his way of bringing you to that point where he reminds you, or he reminds me, that in everything we're to give thanks. And I'm telling you, believe that's a solution. When things are difficult, when things are, are hard, when things are stressful, when you don't understand things, when things aren't going your way or the way you think they should go, just praise God. Be thankful for all things. Be thankful in all things, for this is the will of God concerning you. And I'm telling you, to me, that is the solution. Just pray for me that I can remember that at the beginning, before all the anxiety and all of the uh, bitterness and getting upset strikes. You know what God's Word says in Psalm 33:1 That praise is comely. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous. That's you guys, you're righteous in Christ. Aren't you glad of that? You're right. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. What does the word comely mean? It's beautiful. It's attractive. I guarantee you, comely or praise is much more beautiful than gripe and complaining and bitterness. How many of you much prefer praise Listening to someone praise God than somebody griping. I know I do. That's what God's Word says. Praise is comely. It's beautiful. It's attractive. It's desirable. And it's what God's Word tells us. And we have every reason to praise Him because we're going to heaven. We're going to spend eternity as joint heirs of Christ, I don't care what, I mean, I do care, but regardless of what happens on this planet, I know that I have a home in heaven. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenlies this very moment. I have a position, a station there, and I have that to look forward to. Yeah, I know there's going to be stresses, there's going to be difficulty, there's going to be pain, there's going to be trouble, all of that in life. But here's what I do know. I can safely trust God. And the way to get through that is in all things praise God. Ephesians 5.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that works in us. So we, we need to be remind, reminded of that. When we, up, when we are up against a difficult situation, when, it, when the enemy is, comes against us, when people aren't treating us the way we think we need to be treated, when, when things are happening in our lives that is not the way we want to see it go, now unto, think of that. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. This past week, uh, Faye and I had an opportunity to, to go to the Bot Radio KSIV Pastor Appreciation Dinner, and that really is a big deal. They, they just really go all out for the pastors here in St. Louis. And uh, for those of you who were here years and years ago when we started, uh, I got vengeance. I, I, 
we were sitting at the same table with uh, employees of Cass Bank. Remember when we first started, uh, we went to Cass Bank because they make loans to churches to buy buildings. And we had a building and we wanted to buy it and we had some money in the bank and, and we just we filled out the application and we went to Cass Bank and, and they, they advertised about, they loaned money to churches and, and blah, 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 blah. And so we made our application and we sat back and they denied us. They denied us. And remember what we did as a congregation? We stood on that day when I made the announcement that Cass Bank turned us down. And we praised to God that they turned us down. We thanked God as a congregation that they had turned us down because it just gave God a glorious, wonderful opportunity to show this power that works in us. And I was able to tell them that, and they were like, oh, well, and they were believers, and it was like, oh, that's nice, I think. And so I said, well, you need to hear those stories, those testimonies. Yeah, your bank turned us down, but our God is faithful. Because you know what happened? You know what I was able to announce the very next Sunday? That someone had come forward and given us the money, not loaned it, not loaned it, given us the money that we were able to get into the building and do all that we needed to do with it. So we had gone to them asking, will you loan us the money? See, that wasn't what God's plan was. That wasn't God's purpose. God's plan and purpose was... I'm going to give you the money. You're not going to have to borrow it. You're not going to have to pay interest. See, that's what I'm talking about when we praise God because we don't always know what His perfect plan and purpose is. But I do know that He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And, and I can think of a lot. And God is faithful to do it. Praise is comely according to his word. Philippians 4, chapter 8. I mean, Philippians 4, verse 8. You know, whatsoever thing, brother, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, those are the things we're to think about. See, the scriptures are full of instruction that God's people are to praise Him. We're to trust Him. We're to have confidence in what He is going to do in and through us. Psalm 22.3 tells us that, that God inhabits the praises of Israel, inhabits the praises of His people. I, I love that verse. Do you know that Psalm 22 is really a lament? You read Psalm 22, it's a sorrowful psalm. It's the, look at the verse, first verse. You're familiar with the first verse of Psalm 22.1? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's the first, that's how Psalm 21, 22 starts out. And it goes from there, and we know that that's what Christ quoted on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? 
It's, it's a lament. But there in the middle of this lament, this distress, this anguish, it informs us that God inhabits the praises of his people in spite of the stress. The idea of inhabit means that he sits upon, he rests in, he dwells in our praise, our songs of worship, our songs of adoration. Basically, it tells us during these very stressful, difficult times, God enjoys our praise. And he's working to conform us to the image of his son. You do a study of the doctrine of praise. We're not instructed to just do it when the good times roll. We're to give thanks in all things. I think actually it tends to be part of that spiritual formula for getting us through those bad times, those difficult times. My advice to you, regardless of what you're enduring, what you're going through, what you're struggling with, thank God for it. Thank God for it. Praise Him for what He is going to do. Because I'm going to tell you this. From experience, I know for certain as I look back on my life, it has been during the darkest, dimmest, most difficult times that I have seen God's hand work in such miraculous and wonderful ways. And I would not substitute or change those difficult times for seeing the glory of God work in my life and my family's life. It's during those difficult times. It's during those valleys that God just shows himself to be so real and so caring. What was the name of that song that I forgot now who used to sing it? Through it all. Um, it talks about how through it all, God is faithful. God is there for us through the whole, the whole time. Life can be frightening. Circumstances can be really, really hard. Life can be so uncertain, but here's what is certain. is the faithfulness of God. Let me give you a case in point. I think it's one of the most glorious stories of what praise can do. Turn with me to Second Chronicles. I love this story. I, I love the story of Jehoshaphat. I love what the children of Israel learned and how they put into practice, into motion, what God instructed them to do. What a, what a, this is a phenomenal story with so much practical information that we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ today definitely need to, to think about, to meditate on, and to apply, apply in our daily lives. Second Chronicles chapter 17, verse 1. And Jehoshaphat, his son, well, his was Asa, the king of Judah. Jehoshaphat is 
the king of Judah at this point. He took over from his dad, who was a good king of Judah. He reigned in his dad's stead. And he strengthened himself against Israel. Now, I read that verse, and it causes sadness. It causes, what? Israel? God's chosen people? The kingdom had been divided, and Israel, the northern kingdom, had gone after strange gods and and wickedness and all sorts of evil, and all of their kings were evil. But here's Israel, the nation of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one that Moses had led out of Egypt into the wilderness, the one that God had, had done so many marvelous, wonderful things with and through and for. And here is Judah and Jehoshaphat having to strengthen Judah, the southern kingdom, where Jerusalem is, against Israel, God's people. They were getting ready to fight their own cousins. It's kind of sad. I, that, that just jumps out at me. And what Jehoshaphat does is he builds up his forces. He does two things throughout his reign. He builds up his forces. He's a smart leader. He's a smart leader. He understands that Israel and Syria will continue to cause him serious problems. So as a smart leader, he builds up his defenses. And one of the things he does that's the most important, that's going to be the best thing he ever does, is he teaches his people the Word of God. He teaches people the law. He instructs them in the law. Chapter 17, look at verse 3. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not after Balaam but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. There's that saying again. That's just sad. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presence and he had riches and honor and abundance and his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and groves out of Judah. He did the right things. Oh, by the way, taking the groves and the high places out of Judah was not a popular thing to do. They, in Israel, they were worshiping false gods. They were doing things in these groves and in these high places that are unspeakable. And they were doing it in Judah also. But Jehoshaphat comes along and he says, uh-uh, not on my watch. And he tears them all down, but it was not popular. People were upset with him that he did that. Verse 7 and on, it, it, it talks about how he brought in these different men and these priests, and, and he said, go into the land and you teach them the Word of God. He had made his defenses strong, and he said, I want you to teach the Word of God. Verse 9, and they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about throughout all the cities of Judah. And what did he do? He, they taught the people. Now what's interesting about this is Hosea was in the northern kingdom and Israel was just spiraling downward, downward, downward. 
They, it was a cesspool there. Here was Jehoshaphat, Judah, teaching the word of God. Hosea makes something very clear. Hosea, in, in, in Hosea 4.6, says, My people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. See, in the northern kingdom, Hosea the prophet was saying, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They've rejected the knowledge. In the southern kingdom, Jehoshaphat was making sure that the people were taught the word of God. Remember in, in Proverbs 29, 18, Solomon wrote this years before, before this. Solomon says, where there is no vision, the people do what? Perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. That word vision there literally means revelation. Where God is not speaking, where, the peop- where God is not uh, giving His word out to the people, where there's no revelation, when people are not following God's instruction, obeying His law, the people perish. Literally cast off restraint. And that's what Israel was doing. Where there's no word of God, the people cast off restraint and do all sorts of weird and wacky things. But here Jehoshaphat was teaching the people, and it's a good thing because something is about to happen. They're about to get attacked. And there's only one thing that's going to save them. And it's not the mighty army that he has, by the way. Verse 10 of chapter 17 talks about the expansion of the kingdom, that he, he is following God, he's teaching the people, uh, Judah is being blessed, Israel not so much. Judah's being blessed. Look at verse 10. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. Isn't that interesting? They made no war against Jehoshaphat. Matter of fact, Proverbs 16, verse 7 says, When your ways please the Lord... He even makes your enemies to be at peace with you. Isn't it a neat verse? That when your ways please the Lord. So Jehoshaphat was pleasing God. He was, this was proof. He was making even his enemies to be at peace with him. Look at verse 11. And some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents. Had David been allowed, he, uh, alive, he would have said, get out of here. The Philistines? Are you, are you kidding me, the Philistines? Do you know how much trouble I had with those Philistines? Can we talk about Goliath? Can we talk about all the other Philistines that just, I mean, you're not going to believe how many sleepless nights I had thinking about the Philistines. Had it not been God that I could turn to, why? But here Jehoshaphat has the Philistines, the very people that were giving King David fits, they're bringing him presents. Tribute of silver, and the Arabians brought him flocks. Look at look, all the stuff that they were giving him. Verse 12, And Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly, and he built in Judah castles and cities of store. They were prospering. They were militarily powerful. God's blessings, this, 
they were experiencing what God promised they would experience if they were faithful to Him. This is the perfect example of you serve God, you do God's will, look here, God's going to bless. So all these nations that were coming against them and always fighting, all of a sudden, they're bringing them presents. So they're just rolling along and things are good. But Jehoshaphat, come on, guy. <laughs> you, you, did you get too big for your britches? Did you just feel like you were more than what you really are? Remember the first verse in 17 is that he had built up the fence cities against Israel. Chapter 18, he enters into an alliance with Ahab. Ahab? Ahab? He, he was such a wicked king, and he was married to Jezebel. He was married to Jezebel. You talk about a wicked Gentile queen. Ahab, what are you doing marrying this Gentile queen? who worships Baal and was bringing all those strange gods. You, re- you want to know why Israel was going down the toilet and why they were doing things they shouldn't do? It was all these Gentile wives that these leaders were marrying and they were leading them down the wrong, the wrong path quickly, including Ahab. So Jehoshaphat enters into an alliance with Ahab. Wrong thing to do. And Ahab says, hey, I want to go up and, and I'm against uh, Ramoth Gilead and I want you to go with me to war and I want us to join forces and we are going to destroy them. They're, they're causing me trouble there in Syria and I need you to help me defeat them. And Jehoshaphat, uh, verse, uh, verse 2, and Ahab uh, did all the things for him and, and killed sheep and oxen in abundance and, and persuaded him. The Hebrew word there actually means seduced. It's seduced. Seduced him to go and Jehoshaphat said, oh, well, sure, I'll, I'll do that. And uh, but, but, but give credit to Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat said, uh, Abi, can we ask God about this first? Can we pray about this? And Ahab said, well, yeah, I have 400 prophets. We, we can ask them. And so he asked them, and these are not prophets of the Lord, by the way. What were they doing? And I mean, they were Jewish, but they weren't the prophets of God. And they asked them, and they said, Yeah, uh, Ahab, uh, Jehoshaphat, you're going to be victorious. Go up against Syria there. Go up against Raymond Gilead. Do, do what you need to do, because God's going to be with you. And Jehoshaphat said, Oh, that's cool. But do you have a man of God? Do you have a prophet here that's of God that we could ask? And Ahab says, yeah, but I hate him. Isn't that interesting? Because he never, he never 
speaks good to me. It's always, I just don't like him. I hate him. And so Jehoshaphat said, yeah, okay, but can we ask him anyway? So they, they call and, uh, Micaiah, uh, and they say, uh, verse, verse 7, The king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good unto me, but always evil. The same is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. Don't, I mean, don't, don't say, let's, let's bring him in. Let's, let's talk to him. So they asked Micaiah, and Micaiah says, yeah, you two go ahead and go fight them. You guys go ahead and, and go up against Ramoth Gilead to battle. Yeah, do that. And Ahab says, why do you always do this? You always, it's, it's, what, it's what the other people had said. But he was saying, yeah, you guys go. And, and Ahab just got all bent out of shape. You, you always, you never, I, I could just imagine him being a spoiled little brat king. Evil spoiled brat king. And he said, no, tell us the truth. Micaiah said, okay, I'm going to tell you the truth. I saw the Lord in his temple. And he, the glory filled, and on his right and on his left and on his right, with his mighty army, the host of heaven. And what I heard was God said, how can I convinced Jehoshaphat to go to, and Ahab to go to war against because I'm going to get I'm, I'm going to teach Ahab a lesson and one of them stepped forward and said one of the hosts one of the angelic hosts said uh, send a lying spirit I think that's interesting said, send that to the prophets have the prophets tell him that Boy, this time Ahab was going, oh, no. What's, what's going on here? Verse 21 of that. And he said, I go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And the Lord says, thou shalt entice him and thou shalt also prevail. Go out and do even so. What you recommend, you go do it. That's exa- so that's what the prophets were doing. And Micah said, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to win this. One of, the, one of the prophets even names him, comes over and he slaps Micah, Micaiah. And he said, you prophesy, who was that that just hit you? And he issues a curse to this uh, Zedekiah. The Bible never says exactly what happens there, but I'm sure that it wasn't good. And Ahab says, okay, we're going to war. We're, we're going to go against them. Okay, but Jehoshaphat, and I can't believe Jehoshaphat. Why in the world would he agree to do this? Uh, it, it's just not that smart. But Ahab, shrewd, evil, goes to Jehoshaphat and says, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to dress up like the king, but you dress up like the king. I'm going to be like a regular soldier 
In other words, I'm going to hide. I'm, you, you, you go out as a king because the enemy has already been instructed, go after the kings. Don't worry about the, the normal soldiers. You guys go for the kings. So that's, what a coward. How devious is that? And as devious as that was for Ahab to do, how idiotic was it for Jehoshaphat to go, okay, we'll do it. That I don't understand. But see, God still has his way and will. And in the middle of the battle, Ahab is killed. And Jehoshaphat uh, heads back to Jerusalem. He is met uh, by Hananiah. Hanana the prophet, and tells him, God's not happy with you. And he barely makes it out of this alive because of his compromise, because he, there, that alliance with Ahab, that evil, 19, chapter 19 says, And Jehoshaphat the king of Judah, verse 1, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem, and or Jehu the son of Hanana the seer, seer, went out to meet him and said to the king Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from the Lord. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, and in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and hast prepared thy heart to seek God. And Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again through the people from Beersheba to Mount Ephraim and brought them back unto the God of their fathers. Good for you, Jehoshaphat, because you're going to need to be walking in the ways of the Lord. Part of that from chapter 5 on down talks about how he builds up the defenses. He teaches the people even more so uh, verse uh, 11 says, uh, And behold, Amara, the chief priest, is over you in all matters of the Lord, and Zebediah, the son of Ishmael, and the ruler of the house of Judah for all the king's matters. Also the Levites shall, shall go before you, deal courageously, and the Lord shall be with the good. So God's blessing him. God's going to bless him. So things kind of all right again. Well, where does praise and the importance of praise and the necessity of praise comes in? Chapter 20, quickly. Boy, this, to me, this is exciting. This is eye-opening. Verse 1 of chapter 20. And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them others beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. See what compromise does? Prior, even his enemies were at peace with him. They were giving him stuff. But this compromise with Ahab set him back. And now enemies are coming against him. More cousins, by the way. These are more cousins. Verse 2, And there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria, and behold, they be in Hazamatmar, which is in Gedi. 
And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Speaks well of Jehoshaphat, doesn't it? Boy, he, he, at least he knew what to do when enemy was approaching, when the enemy was coming against him. And he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And fortunately, the people had been taught the word of God. They all knew who to turn to, why to turn to him. And so when he called for a fast, they were ready to do that. They understood from the word of God that this was necessary. Verse 4, And Judah gathered themselves together to ask the help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. They had been instructed in the Word of God. They understood the importance of turning to God against this enemy. Had they been Israel, had they, been, they wouldn't have turned to God. And not only did they turn to God, do you know what Jehoshaphat did because he understood the Word of God? He was smart enough to remind God what God had said the day that the temple was dedicated by Solomon. Jehoshaphat stood and he went before God. And let's read. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, that was the one that Solomon had dedicated, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art thou not God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Art thou not our God which didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever. See, in prayer, it's okay to remind God of his promises, who he is, and who you are. That's what Jehoshaphat was doing. And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, now he's quoting God, when Solomon dedicated the temple, this, this is God speaking. 2 Chronicles 6, 28. 2 Chronicles 6, 28. If when evil comes upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, thou then thou wilt hear and help. He's just reminding God what God's word said. What God had said. Hey, you're on safe ground when you do that. You know what else is connected with this verse? 2 Chronicles 7.14. See, that's, that's what that 2 Chronicles 7.14, that all plays a role in what's going on here. 2 Chronicles 7, verse, 14, uh, verse 4, I'm sorry. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 4. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will what? 
heal their land. That's another promise for God. That promise was for the nation of Israel during just such a time as this. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 4. At least I hope that's the verse. Verse 10, And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and the Mount Seir, whom thou wouldst not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. He reminds of God, you, you wouldn't let us conquer them. Behold, I say how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are on you. They had trouble, difficulties. They didn't know what to do. But Lord, our eyes are on you. What an amazing testimony. What an amazing point of application. Oh, and by the way, the army, God's Word tells us at this point, Jehoshaphat's army was 1.6 million men of arms. Men in arms. So they had an army. They could have drawn swords, and they could have said, to the death, and they could have gone out, and they could have done battle, and I'm sure that it would have been a glorious but bloody battle. They could have done that. Jehoshaphat could have said, look, we have trained, you are the best equipped, you're the best army in the world, and we're not going to let them, we're, we're not going to let them conquer us, we're going to fight them. But Jehoshaphat says, our eyes are on you. Lord, only you can rescue us, smart man here. Verse 13, I love this verse. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. They involved their family. They were setting the example. They wanted them to see what it is God was going to do. The fact that they involved their children told me that they really believed by faith that God was going to do a mighty work on their behalf. See, if you didn't believe that God was going to do a mighty work, the last place you want your babies is right there. Right? They, they believed. They all believed that the mercy of God was going to be so great. Verse 14, Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, the Levite, the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. They were praying, and God is going to send this prophet, this man of God, to speak and tell them. The Spirit comes upon him. Basically, you know what he tells them? Verse 15, the battle is not yours. It's God's. The battle is not yours. It's God's. Verse 16, tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. And you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand you still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. Similar to what he told Moses at the Red Sea. Moses was in a pickle. He had all of Pharaoh's army behind him. 
He had the deep Red Sea in front of him. How am I going to get out of this? What was the Lord's message to him? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Watch God work. Basically the same thing. The, the conditions were uh, comparable. And Jehoshaphat, he bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah, because they had been in the word of God, they knew what to do. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Kothites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. They started, the preachers started praising God before this whole congregation. They started praising God. You're wondering when the praise is going to come in. But it gets even better. And they rose early in the morning and went forth unto the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall he establish and, be and believe his prophets, so shall he prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed really strong, tough soldiers to lead the way to do the battle. I love this. You know where the soldiers were? They were way in the back. They were way in the back. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Wow, what a testimony of the power of praise and prayer and rejoicing and understanding that God is in charge. He is going to have his way, his will. The enemy can come against us. The enemy can think it's strong. But before God, it will falter and fail. That's what's happening here. He appoints singers, and they go out praising the Lord, for His mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and the Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. They started singing. They started praying. And you know what this army started doing? Started killing each other. They started fighting each other. So by the time the army finally got to the battlefield, they were all dead. They were all dead. Of course, probably the last thing they heard were the grunts and groans of their own men and some people praising God and singing over the next mountain. To me, I just find that wonderfully amusing. Don't you? As they died, they probably never thought they were going to die be killed 
by their own people and die hearing their enemy praising God. Well, I'm telling you, when we come up against an enemy, when we're having difficult times, we are to praise God in all things. We're to thank God in all things, understanding that the same God who delivered Jehoshaphat and, the, and Judah on this day delivers His own, delivers us. And we can trust Him completely. Our weapon is the sword of the Spirit and our lips of praise and thanksgiving. Let me encourage you, as you go through difficult pain and hurt, difficult times, when you don't understand what's happening, realize you don't have to understand what's happening. You just have to understand that God sits upon His throne, that you belong to Him, that He is in charge, and you can faithfully and trust in Him. And that's to all the believers. To be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. This morning, if you're not a believer, my message to you is you need to become one. You need to, by faith, trust Christ as your Savior. And you do that by doing exactly what His Word said to do. And that's to believe that Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. Believe the gospel by faith. And not just believe that He did it, but He did it for you personally. That God loves you. And He offers salvation to all believe. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before You this morning and how thankful we are for Your amazing grace. We thank You for Your wonderful Word that just instructs us. Father, we're thankful this morning that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction in righteousness. Father, may we faithfully study your word and apply it to our lives in every circumstance. And Father, I pray this morning if there's anyone here or anyone watching that does not know you as Savior, that Father, this will be the day that they settle that issue and by faith Trust Christ Jesus as our Savior. And we pray these things in His holy and most righteous name. Amen.